When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This past week, while I was on retreat, I experienced a reality that, well, I've experienced a number of times in my life, but I also often encounter in my conversations with others as well. And it was this, as I was on retreat, retreat director who was great, was giving us these ideals from different saints, ideals of our Lord, and I was reading A Priest is Not His Own by Blessed Fulton Sheen. And as this was happening, I began to see in my mind this ideal, this cold stone ideal that I could never attain, that I was so far from, this idea of what a priest, a Catholic, a Christian is called to be, and then seeing where I myself was at. And I found that to be, well, as one would expect and as I've encountered in many people, discouraging, something that began to make me wonder whether or not I would ever get there, so to speak. But then, of course, just at the time that this is beginning to arise in my heart, the Lord being the Lord always delivers exactly what we need. And the retreat director began then to reflect, meditate, and break down this particular gospel we have today, prefiguring what would happen in this Sunday's gospel by breaking down this exact same one. And he notes, and this is something really important, that in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew constantly refers again and again and again to the Old Testament. He's constantly referring to Old Testament prophecies, and much of his imagery is meant to evoke images from the Old Testament. And so at the beginning of this gospel, it is the case as well. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. This, of course, should call to mind the one who went up the mountain first, that is, Moses. Moses, who went up the mountain on behalf of the Israelites, and then came down from the mountain and gave them the law that was inscribed upon stone tablets, most commonly known as the Ten Commandments. And from then, in the same way, we see Jesus today. He goes up the mountain and then he teaches his disciples, giving them the Beatitudes, this beautiful expression which is read at many funerals and also in All Saints Day every single year. And these Beatitudes, there are eight of them. And the retreat director, Father Derek, began to reflect, what is the Lord doing? Is he tacking on eight more? The Jewish people have 10 commandments and now Christians have 18. What exactly is the point? Well, then he goes on to elaborate that something much different is happening. 
Whereas, whenever Moses came down from the mountain, he had the law inscribed upon stone tablets. For us, whenever the Lord delivers these words to his disciples and to us, he is the one on whom these beatitudes are inscribed. Whereas the law of the Old Covenant was inscribed upon stone, the law of the New Covenant, these beatitudes, are inscribed upon the face of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, inscribed upon his most sacred heart. And so far from the law being a stone, cold, dead thing, we see the law alive, these beatitudes alive within the person of Jesus Christ himself. And with each one of them, we could probably call to mind different parts of the gospel. Blessed are the poor spirit. We can go back from the very beginning, what we just celebrated a month ago. Blessed, as St. Paul tells us, he who was rich became poor for our sakes. That is, Jesus Christ became God, became man as God. He emptied himself entirely. He who was the king of heaven of earth made himself a little child, becoming poor for our sakes. Blessed are they who mourn. We see the Lord mourn for people's lack of faith on numerous occasions. We see him mourn at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend. We see, blessed are the merciful, the thing which most scandalized the Pharisees and the scribes. Your sins are forgiven. And they lament, they complain, who but God can forgive sins, not recognizing that it is God himself, the law made flesh. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, on whom the law was written into his very heart, into his being, into his very flesh. You see, these beatitudes are not merely some sort of cold ideal that we can or we can't reach, but instead they are lived reality. They are lived reality most importantly expressed in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, without whom we ourselves cannot live these out. And then is it this that we should take comfort? Because it's not dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon me. But instead it is dependent upon relying upon him who dwells day and night in that tabernacle. The one who shows us his face again and again, though it is veiled under the appearance of bread. He is the one who can enable us to live out these beatitudes, who can enable you to be merciful, to be a peacemaker, to be meek, to be poor in spirit. It is in all of these things that we see the Lord truly begin to act in our lives. And I think that's a beautiful expression of this. Because if you look at Jesus, who embodies all of these, when we look at the lives of the saints, whoever your favorite saint is, call them to mind at this moment. They probably embody just one or two of these. Obviously, they probably tried to practice all of them. But usually, saints are really known for one or two. And so each and every saint is someone who has allowed Christ to act in them so that that beatitude might be enlivened, might be given flesh, might be incarnated in their particular time, their particular place. That is what you too, that's what I am called to do. And I think this is important for us to remember because it's so easy for us to get discouraged as I was earlier this week, to see this ideal set before us and feel like we are so far away. But we should take heart because, as a line I often repeat from uh, the book Insinu Jesu, which is a conversation between a Benedictine monk 
and Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Jesus says to this monk at one point, Be inspired by the example of the saints, but do not imitate them. Your path is your own. Your path is distinct. The way in which the Beatitudes, the law, the new law, will be enacted in your life will be different than it is for any other saint that has gone on before you. You were called to live these out in a very special way, whichever one it may be. And I think it's important for us to always take heart in that reality, because Jesus is the only one that can enable you to do so. The saints were not rugged individualists. They were entirely dependent upon the Lord, the one who gives us these Beatitudes today, present in the Blessed Sacrament, wherever you approach him in Holy Communion and receive him. He can enable you to live out these Beatitudes. And so, reflect within yourself. Where is the Lord calling you to grow in these different areas? Where is he asking you to grow? Where is he calling you to be an example in the middle of a world that has begun to lose sight of him? To show you how this can happen, immediately shortly after this very powerful meditation from the retreat director, I was reflecting on this gospel passage, and the Lord, as he often does, poked me a little bit, tugged at my heart, as I came across the line, blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. So often it is easy whenever an email comes in criticizing something you did or didn't say, something that somebody thinks you're going to do, and then to begin to get embittered, to grow cold, to grow hardened, and to want to lash out. Because, well, that is human nature, is it not? And I felt the Lord kind of tugging at me to then read what then comes after that line. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Rejoice and be glad. Though that just struck me so hard. That whenever people clearly don't want to listen to me in my homilies, whenever someone writes a critical letter, whenever someone is unduly cruel to me or to you, because I'm sure we all experience this in different ways in which we are persecuted, we suffer, we're treated unfairly. And it's our tendency to grow embittered, to grow cold, to grow, to harden our heart. What the Lord says is to rejoice and be glad. To maybe put it this way, it's an image that came to my mind, is that we should have the same reaction to being criticized, to being persecuted, that we would have maybe later today if Joe Burrow tosses a winning touchdown pass to Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. That is the kind of response that our Lord clearly indicates of us today. And it is in this that then we begin to see the gospel come alive. It's contrary to our way of thinking. But again, do not be disheartened. Do not be discouraged. Because the Lord is the one who enables us to live this out. The law is no longer inscribed on stone, something that we cannot grasp, reach, or attain. But instead, the law has come to us in human form, with a human face, with a human heart, and the person of Jesus Christ. 
and continues to do so in the Eucharist. Jesus is alive. He is. And he wants to enable each and every one of you, me, to live out the gospel, although it may look much different than what we might expect. Just as I maybe want to be like John Vianney and live off nothing but a single potato each week and hear confession for 18 hours a week, I do not think that is what the Lord is calling me to. And so it is for you. Follow the path to your sanctification, to you becoming saint, insert your name. That is what the Lord is calling each and every one of us to do, to live out these Beatitudes in a very special way. And if we failed five seconds ago, we reiterate that line, new chepi, now I begin, now I start. Even if you just failed five seconds ago, try to live it out now. That is of no matter. Live out these Beatitudes. Take them to heart. Pray over them on a regular basis. Allow them to begin to transform your heart, not under your own power or insight, but instead by the God-man, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has come to us in human form with a human face and continues to do so in the Eucharist.